Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watts podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of June 12th to 14th, 2020. My name's Paulo, and I'm your host. So lots of week news this week in all sorts of different areas related to the box office. Strap yourselves in. We're going to hop straight in and, and try to tackle all of this. Uh, first up, and you, know, you can probably tell this by the title of the episode, but major developments when it comes to the tenant watts. As you probably know, you know, movie theaters have kind of been stuck in this uh, chicken and egg situation. You know, even if they are allowed to be open by certain states and countries, uh, they don't have any new things to show, which means that the audience isn't going to come to their, to their uh to the theaters, and so there's no point in having them be open. Um, on the other hand, if no one's going to the theaters, um, then studios are very reluctant to have you know uh, their films show. Um, Chris Nolan, being a huge advocate for the movie theater, uh, you know he has been the holdout for the longest time. You know, setting July 17th as the date on which he is going to release his next big film. Um, and yeah, it looked like it was for the longest time he was going to actually hold out. And with you know a lot of places starting to reopen up, it seemed that it would be very likely he would make that date. However, uh, it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. And Warner Brothers has moved the tenant to premiere two weeks later on July 31st. Uh, in its place, however, Warner Brothers did announce that they will be releasing Chris Nolan's earlier film, Inception, uh, for its 10th year anniversary, featuring previews of Tenet, as well as you know other Warner Brothers films coming up later this year. Uh, so first off, Tenet is definitely about time travel because there's no way it's been 10 years since Inception. Uh, and yet it also somehow feels like it's been 10 years since March. Um, but in, on a more serious note, in all seriousness, uh, there will look to be a couple of factors in this decision. Uh, first off, you know, while many states are reopening theaters, it looks like there is an uptick in COVID cases in certain markets, which certainly may impact theaters being able to be open on the 17th if a second wave does come around. Uh, secondly, in New York State and New York City more specifically, uh, there is still um, some uncertainty about when theaters will open. Uh, currently, they are part of phase four of the four-phase uh, you know, reopening plan. Uh, the, Nas- the local branch of the National Association of Theater Owners is trying to lobby to get movie theaters moved to phase three, um, as it's uncertain whether or not you know phase four will be reached by July 4th, 17th. Um, you know, Governor Cuomo has said, you know, I think as of today that he's threatening to reinstate, you know, various social distancing restrictions after, you know, seeing social media posts about people not respecting social distancing. Um, New York does make up a significant portion of box office revenue, um, you know, even if it's just one city. Uh, so, you know, it, it's possible um, that, you know, if it's possible to have New York have op- theaters be open, uh, students would definitely prefer that. Uh, Deadline reports that apparently, even if Manhattan is closed, they'd be happy to have at very least Queens and Brooklyn, Staten Island, and the Bronx open as well. Um, you know, thirdly, uh, and this is relatively minor, but sports uh, may be coming back around the same time frame. I know we already have WWE, UFC, NASCAR, golf all have reopened, and then you know, there's negotiations going on for NBA, MLB, um, NHL, um, whatever other three-letter acronym there is. So, you know, having major sports back and people watching sports will help movie th- uh, studios uh, market these uh, the movies and help get the word out to get people to get back to theaters. Um, it is also worth noting that in Brazil, Tenet has been moved to August 13th, but that's mostly because Brazil is kind of a clusterfuck when it comes to the status of the um, the pandemic right now. Uh, 
Okay, so Tenet has moved. Uh, the Inception special is definitely a way to appease Chris Nolan for having to move. Um, but I also imagine partly it's Warner's ways of testing the waters uh, with a bit of a toe in before diving in. Uh, there was a report from the New York Times today that it make it seems like Warner doesn't want to go first, but you know they definitely don't want to piss off their moneymaker Chris Nolan. Uh, so they kind of have to like get. Net tenant out as early as possible, while still you know making sense for them. Uh, to continue the pull metaphors, you know there obviously will be many ripple effects across the industry in terms of new dates. Uh, and so we're going to go to the release date shuffle. You know, first up we have Disney's Mulan. So now that Tenet has moved back uh, to the thirty-first, uh, Disney's Mulan is now the first major film to open up um, on July twenty-fourth. Um, at the time of writing, Disney has not yet officially moved Mulan back, but I wouldn't be surprised if later this week they did that. Because um, again, like Warner Brothers, they probably don't want to be the first one, the first sacrificial lamb. Um, I'm guessing, you know, we have the Mulan Watts now, I guess instead of the Tenet Watts. I could see them moving into the slot vacated by Wonder Woman 1984, August 14th. Uh, one studio manager in Australia on the box office subreddit said he got a memo from Disney Australia saying Mulan will be delayed, uh, especially given the fact that, you know, Australia pretty much is is is, is getting out of the woods with regard to COVID. Um, you know, that's kind of indicative of the wider market in general. And um, there's also news I'm going to touch on later that China is looking to close theaters up again so you know that might be even more incentive to keep uh, Mulan you know not quite launched yet uh, no date set on this you know potential relaunch but we'll keep an eye on it I did mention briefly uh, Wonder Woman 1984. Uh, in addition to moving Tenet, uh, Warner Brothers also moved uh, this the DC uh, Universe film from August 14th to October 2nd. Uh, this makes sense because you know Tenet, uh, Warner's going to want Tenet to have super long legs, um, you know, to, in order to make as much money as possible with you know limited capacity of theaters. And so you know cutting off its legs with another one of their major films of the years two weeks after if it had stayed you know in August 14th versus Tenet's July 31st. Not a good move. Um, with A Quiet Place 2 and The Kingsman uh, coming out in September, no major films currently scheduled in October uh, before, you know, uh, Black Widow, Soul, and No Time to Die, uh, you know, scrap in, in November. Uh, this really was the only slot open for Wonder Woman to take. Um, this also was the weekend that Warner Brothers had Joker, Venom, and A Star is Born open, and those all did amazingly uh, for uh, Warner Brothers. So, you know, it looks like the they may start making claims to just, you know, the first week of October is just their weekend now. Um, speaking of that November bloodbath, you know, we mentioned, uh, I finally, we finally got to see Godzilla versus Kong exiting that fray. Uh, ironically enough, another film about fighting, escaping a fight. Um, and Godzilla versus Kong is now moving to May 21st, uh, 2021. Honestly, that's a pretty solid date from my perspective. Uh, the only major competition for it will be uh, Marvel Shang-Chi, which is opening up the first weekend in May. Um, but that's a lot different than staring down you know, Black Widow plus two other films the same weekend. Uh, and then Jurassic World Dominion opens up a month later in June, assuming that doesn't get delayed. Uh, I really want the good Godzilla verse to do well, you know, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed King of the Monsters, but box office wise, it didn't do as well. Uh, so here's the hoping, you know, that this franchise is able to stay alive uh, by this new date. Uh, this is also made this move was made possible by Matrix Four, which originally had that May 21st date, uh, moving to 2022 uh, due to delays in production. Um, other Warner films moving around uh, include the Robert Zemeckis adaptation of Roald Dahl's uh, book The Witches, uh, moves from October of this year to an unspecified 
date in 2021. Uh, Tom and Jerry, uh, the live-action animated combination film, moves from Christmas to March 2021. Uh, and you know, now I'm really hoping that they would change Dune to be a limited release in December and then have it released wide in January uh, so that it can still get awards consideration, though we have you know new, more news about that later on. Um, but you know, more importantly, I don't want Dune to get stifled by Top Gun and West Side Story and Coming to America. Uh, interestingly, now Godzilla, Wonder Woman 1984, and New Mutants all have moved five times. Uh, so this is kind of like you know weird situation. Though I think the difference is that the first two films uh, they've only moved over one year period, you know 2019 and 2020 uh, or 2021 in Godzilla's case, whereas New Mutants has been closing in on two. It was originally supposed to come out in 2018, and now it's 2020, uh, two and a half years. So you know that's just New Mutants. Anyway, back to Godzilla. This allows No Time to Die, uh, the Bond film, which was originally, you know, the 25th. Uh, it's moving, you know, up a week earlier uh, to take that Friday shot of the 20th, uh, since there's no other major film competing against it. At least that's like an adult-oriented film. It still has Pixar Soul on that same date. Um, but again, those are pretty different demographics, so pretty safe. Uh, I'm going to hop back to Wonder Woman real quick, actually. So Wonder Woman, moving to October 2nd. This bumps uh, the universal sci-fi film Bios, uh, which stars Tom Hank, moves from that October date to April 2021. Uh, the vacating of the August 14th slot also moves the third Bill & Ted movie uh, into that slot. Uh, they, they actually had their trailer released last week, and they were planning on coming out on the 21st, so they're just moving up a week earlier, maybe trying to capture some more of that early box office audience. Uh, STX also has an action movie called Greenland come, uh, moving to August 14th. Uh, funnily enough, it had originally been a June 12th uh, release and then moved to July 31st, uh, but then Tenet moved to July 31st. So, you know, with Wonder Woman moving out of the way, they don't want to compete against Tenet. So uh, August 14th for Greenland it is. Uh, Disney also has some mo some moves as well. Uh, the Armando Iannucci directed Dev Patel starring film The Personal History of David Copperfield, which I'm actually pretty excited about, uh, moves to August 14th as well. Originally it was going to come out, you know, March 17th, which is like the week of coronavirus coming out. Um, it actually has already come out in the UK, so this will be the US release. Um, Disney also moved the Peter Jackson documentary about the Beatles uh, from September of this year to August 2021. That's a pretty long move. Uh, my guess is that Jackson you know, didn't want to let Disney move documentary to Disney Plus only, uh, but in order to find a good time slot, they had to wait and find one in, you know, as far away as August 2021, so hence the long wait. Uh, you know, while we do say that, you know, Tenet was the first film, major film to come out, and now it's Mulan, though we don't know if Mulan's going to stick around, there actually are a couple of other films that tentatively, you know, have started putting out early release dates. Uh specifically July 10th. Uh, July 10th sees uh, two films. One is a Russell Crowe film uh, about road raids. It's an action film called Unhinged, uh, opening that weekend. Uh, and then Selena Gomez is producing a film called The Broken Hearts Gallery uh, that's coming also on July 10th from Sony. You know, I think these, in general, these smaller films will do a couple of things. You know, uh, the, the so, this, they show commitment from these studios to exhibitors that they do still want to support them and not move put everything, you know, direct to digital. Uh, so that puts them at ease. Um, it also, you know, given the likely lower budget of this field, supposedly, you know, Unhinged has a lean $30 million budget. I can't imagine that, you know, a rom-com film like, you know, Broken Hearts Gallery is, you know, going to be more than a couple, you know, dozen million dollars. Uh, so, you know, there's no competition in the in the theaters for about a month. So 
they can try to grab you know some money even if it's not a lot of people they should hopefully be able to make their money back um, you know, unhinged, funny enough, had originally been July 1st, uh, but with Tenet moving, you know, further back, they have a little bit more breathing space, so that's why they moved to July 10th. Okay, uh, some other movie dates. Uh, these are now all digital and not in theaters, uh, but some of these actually came out this weekend. Uh, so Disney had Artemis Fowl, which is an adaptation of an Ian Culfer children's chapter book series which is one of my favorites going up and it looks like they completely murdered it i'm not watching it on disney plus uh it has a 10 percent on rotten tomatoes so probably the good move that they actually moved to the digital even though it looks like it's crap and no, i don't know how many people are actually gonna end up watching it but uh if this had released in theaters or tried to find the release in theaters you know it would have gone poorly i don't think any exhibitors is crying over not getting to so artemis foul uh, on the another one, uh, the Spike Lee uh, he has a film called The Five Bloods, which is about you know the Black experience in Vietnam War. Came out on Netflix on uh, f- this past Friday. Ninety two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, though the audience score is a little bit low at sixty four percent. Spike Lee's works tends to be pretty controversial, especially among the audience, but it seems pretty timely given you know the events of recent weeks. So uh, I'm watching that for my filmography and focus podcast. Um, so I'll be checking that out. Um, Universal released King of Staten Island, which is a semi-autobiographical film by Pete Davidson, the SNL comedian. Um, came out on VOD today. Um, apparently, there was a story of it being pulled from various drive-in theaters at the very last minute, even though they had started selling tickets and had been booked. No explanation given by Universal. Again, that just kind of continues the rocky relationship between Universal and exhibitors in this time of COVID. Uh, currently, a 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, 90% audience score personally i'm not a huge pete davidson fan so i'm not going to be checking this one out but hey maybe maybe that's something you're interested in um apparently this coming week uh there's a Bloomhouse uh horror film from universal uh coming out this weekend called you should have left starring kevin bacon and amanda seyfried no marketing at all on this one this one looks kind of looks like a dump and, and see what it makes i mean Blumhouse is probably going to be pretty cheap so you know i don't think I, it might make back money on vod who knows um, but yeah, uh, in other news, let's see. Uh, Amazon Prime Video is releasing the long-delayed Dave Bautista film My Spy uh, on June 26th. Uh, it looks like they actually had a Canadian release, um, I think, earlier this year before Canada closed down. Um, but I think they're also giving the option to theaters, unlike Universal, uh, to sew this in theaters uh, if they want, specifically drive-in theaters as well. So uh, My Spy, um, Tom Hanks war film Greyhound is coming to Apple TV on July 10th. Um, again, I think this uh, and they're, you know, they're working with Martin Scorsese on his film that's going to cost $200 million. I think Apple TV is trying to move toward like the prestige film space. Um, maybe they're not going to make the next big mass market, you know, hit or TV series, but I'm um, getting these like prestige films is their attempt at that. We'll see how this pans out for them. I don't, uh, I, I haven't heard anything much about how well Greyhound has been received by people who've seen it, so we'll see. Um, let's see. On the Disney side of things, they have a animated adaptation of a children's novel by K.A. Applegate, uh, which will be going straight to streaming on Disney Plus on August 21st. Originally, this was going to be a theatrical release on August 14th, um, but I suspect uh, they're probably going to move Mulan to that date, and so they want they want to have to compete against it. So, uh, one and only Ivan coming August 21st to Disney Plus. 
Uh, and then finally, in streaming release date, uh, David Fincher. I did an episode on him on my other podcast. He has a film called Mank, uh, which is about uh, the screenwriter for Citizen Kane. Um, it will reportedly, according to the screenwriter, have a release in October on Netflix. Um, uncertain what the exact date is and then you know what the theatrical release for this will look like. Um, though I wouldn't be surprised if they end up putting this into the Egyptian theater in LA that they just bought, um, plus a few places in New York for awards consideration. But yes, Mank coming to Netflix in October. Okay, uh, speaking of streaming news, there are also some headlines regarding various streaming services. First up, following on last week's episode about black movies, uh, Disney and Fox ended up making their 2018 film The Hate You Give uh, free on all streaming platforms. Uh, so good good on Disney and Fox for following suit. Uh, Cineplex, uh, we talked about them last week. They had a Black Stories collection for Canadians to download uh, 45 different movies by black directors. They announced that within a week of that promotion happening, they have had over 150,000 free rentals on that collection, which, you know, good on them. Good, pretty, pretty, pretty awesome move. Okay, uh, HBO Max, uh, they went ahead and removed the 1939 classic Gone with the Wind, uh, which has the record for the highest grossing film of all time when adjusted for inflation. Um, they removed Gone from the Wind from their service in response to Black Lives Matter protests due to controversial depiction of black people in the film. It's kind of like part of the whole lost cause, you know, movement of film and, you know, definitely downplays the plight of black people in slavery. That said, they are planning on bringing back at a later time with a content warning and historical discussion and context about being a product of its time, you know, kind of what they do for old cartoons like Tom and Jerry or what Disney Plus does for some of its older films like Dumbo on Disney Plus. Uh, this will be provided by black historian Jacqueline Stewart. Um, that said, the same night they took it down, uh, Gone with the Wind ended up being the number one film being rented on Amazon Prime, uh, probably due to the Streisand effect. Speaking of HBO Max, uh, they've had a pretty rough time of it. Uh, after a disastrous launch at the end of last month, uh, over the last two weeks, they've only been downloaded 2 million times. You know, on one hand, that works out to 121,000 downloads per day in the US, you know, higher than the 18,000 average per day that they had in the two weeks prior to launch of their, you know, old app HBO Now. On the other hand, it's still pennies compared to what Disney Plus has been able to generate. Uh, they had 15.5 million downloads in their first two weeks. Uh, in the UK and Ireland alone, uh, Disney Plus has been downloaded 4 million times, uh, which is you know twice the time, twice the length. There's basically the same rate of downloads in the UK and Ireland, which given it's a smaller than the US, uh, not great for, pretty, for HBO Max, pretty telling. Uh, Apple Plus had 33.6 million over two months, and even Quibi, uh, which is a failure and the only thing keeping HBO Max from being the absolute laughing stock of streaming services is the fact that is what Quibi was able to get 1.7 million downloads in one week, half the time HBO Max did. Uh, to try to help with this confusion between you know HBO, Warner, AT&T, they, they, they have HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, HBO Max. Um, they ended up uh, taking HBO Go, uh, which is the service that you have if you have a cable subscription. They sunset that, closing it down, rolling it into HBO Max. Uh, so all old subscribers of HBO Go are automatically getting HBO Max. HBO Now, uh, which is the service that 
you have if you don't have a of a serv you don't have a you know cable service i have H i have hbo now through amazon um that's being renamed to just hbo the straight up hbo uh, and it's basically these app you get where hbo max cannot be accessed such as on roku or fire tvs uh which make up 70 percent of the smart tv devices out there so uh that's what i'm gonna be stuck with for until they figure that shit out uh simple right it's just the classic game of who's on first uh, the woes, though, of of HBO Max don't end there. Uh, apparently, a bunch of films are leaving HBO Max on July 1st to be rotated out with other films. Uh, this includes most of the DC films, aside from Aquaman and Shazam, uh, the Hobbit trilogy, and Titanic. Uh, the way they're spinning it, they want to help curate and rotate new content in and out to help people discover new things. Uh, I'm pretty sure this is all it's going to do is just piss people off uh, that they're, you know the movies they wanted to watch are now gone, especially given that DC Universe was the number one IP uh, that was attracting people to the service in the first place. Uh, and so at the price point that they were asking for, yeah, th this is not a great move by HBO Max. I definitely don't envy whoever is at Warner Sues in general, though, uh, between HBO Max and the whole, you know, J.K. Rowling Twitter, Twitter controversy about transphobic views uh, and having to do damage control on her, uh, you know, especially with the poor reception to the latest Wizarding World, you know, Fantastic Beasts, Crime of Grindelwald stuff like, yeah, Warner is having a rough time of it. Uh, to wrap up the streaming news, uh, it looks like Sonic the Hedgehog has been the most watched home movie in homes for the past three weeks, uh, which is when their Blu-ray DVD came out, according to the Digital Entertainment Group. Uh, this just bodes well for the sequel that's already in development. Um, you know, there was also a report I saw about how niche streaming services such as Criterion Collection, IFC Unlimited are showing great growth. Not quite the streaming wars. I call it more like a st streaming skirmish. Uh, Criterion hasn't shared its numbers, but IFC is reporting a 75% growth in the amount of content being consumed uh, and 50% increase in the growth of total subscribers. Uh, there was also the service we talked about a couple episodes ago, Kino Marquee, uh, which was started to, you know, so kind of indie limited run films um, in a way that, you know, whatever you paid to access the film, 50% of that would go to help, you know, some one of like 350 theaters across the country. Um, so this past weekend, they made, you know, 600K thousand. I don't know if that's just for this weekend or for up until this point, um, but so far They've made they've given back three hundred thousand back to the theaters, which is you know pretty awesome. Bringing it back to theaters, uh, the latest numbers looks like you know seven hundred out of the five hundred fifty uh, five thousand five hundred theaters in the U.S. So you know about forty percent of that seven hundred looks like it's being drive-in. Um, you know have reopened. So that seven that seven hundred number is up forty percent versus the week prior. So slowly things are starting to get back into the groove of things. Um, Trolls World Tour is apparently the top film uh, in those theaters uh, for the ninth week in a row. Uh, this gives it the distinct honor of of being uh the movie with the longest number of weeks, uh, most number of weeks at number one in a row uh, this century um, in the box office. Uh, Avatar was number one for eight weekends and Trolls World Tour is nine. They've made 300,000 this past weekend uh, for three million total in this century. Um, you know, obviously movies, uh, movies uh, in, in the older, in the older uh, century was, you know, much more monopolistic. And of course, theaters brings up the question of what is the status of movie theaters reopening? Uh, aside from New York, which I talked about a little bit at the top of the show, uh, let's see, we have California. Uh, theaters got the okay to open this past weekend on June 12th. Uh, most plan on staying closed uh, until new content comes out. Again, Tenet. Um, 
and you know they they need to do maintenance on restocking concessions and training the staff on cleaning procedures. So maybe a couple of weeks before the tenant comes out, which makes that you know that inception tenth uh, anniversary uh, in the middle of July look pretty good. Um, plus, like you know, again unhinged in the Broken Hearts Gallery. Uh, Canadian cinema owner Cineplex has started plans to reopen theaters beginning June 26th, I believe, with six theaters in Alberta before broadening their scope and, and hopefully opening up most of their stuff by July 3rd. Um, you know, side note, there was apparently a takeover situation that was supposed to happen between Cineplex and the UK-based Cineworld, but then Cineworld pulled out, obviously, because it's a terrible time to buy into uh, movie theaters at this point. Uh, looks like there's going to be a legal battle between Cineplex and Cineworld world um not super related to the to the podcast but you know it's worth mentioning uh italy uh set to get back uh into the theaters this week uh june 15th um so actually yesterday i guess at the time of recording um uh or release um there's also set aside money to help theaters get back on their feet um, I briefly mentioned this last weekend, but I'll just, uh, I might have gotten lost in there. Uh, South Korea, they've been seeing increasing numbers of attendees. Uh, I believe, you know, two weeks ago, they had 100,000 uh, admissions. Uh, first time on the film, uh, which is twice the week prior. Um, uh, New Zealand, you know, also has no current coronavirus cases and things are picking up there as well as in Australia. Um, this isn't quite exhibitor news, but production on Jurassic World Dominion looks like it's going to be the first major studio production to resume in the UK. And then finally, some down news. I mentioned, you know, Mulan. Uh, it looks like there, there might be another reason for Disney to delay that. Uh, China saw a spike in the number of COVID cases. And so uh, the reopening of theaters, at least in Beijing, has been put on hold. Um, but I could easily see that hold expanding to the rest of the country and not just Beijing. So uh, we'll just have to keep tracking on where China is on reopening and that'll probably tell us when Mulan will be able to open okay uh, to end on a bit of different news I actually you know I'm actually going to put out an extra episode of my Oscars podcast uh, the Oscars Death Race podcast but Oscars are officially changing the eligibility period of films next year to be up until February 28th um, and on top of that the ceremony will now take place April 25th and in order to help with diversity best pictures will now be exactly 10 films nominated not just up to 10 um, we'll keep track on how this impacts films that want to be awards eligible, um, but might be in a crowded space. Cuff Cuff Dune, which I mentioned earlier, Cuff Cuff. Um, we'll also see how the fall festival circuit was, uh, responds, and you know if other awards ceremony will move. BAFTA is already moved theirs. I'm still in the amount of time till the Golden Globes move, but yeah, I'm really interested to see you know if we will actually see uh, any nominees for the Oscars this year coming in January and February of 2021. Um, and whether or not those films will be eligible for you know Oscars in uh, in for the twenty twenty two Oscar season. Anyway, it's been a super long episode, uh, lots of news. So you know, just briefly touching on the movies I've been watching this week. I've uh, for my anime podcast, I'm working on an episode about Studio Colorido. Uh, they did Penguin Highway, which I watched last year. They have a Netflix movie coming out on Thursday called A Whisker Away. Been watching a bunch of their short films. Uh, for my Vietnam War film uh, project for Filmography in Focus, I've been watching. Um, I watched Forrest Gump for the first time. Uh, so life is like a box of chocolates, and like this pandemic says, you never know what you're gonna get. Um, but yeah, just a bunch of other stuff I need to be working on and watching. Uh, yeah, too many movies. Uh, in any case, uh, I know this has been a pretty dense episode with lots of information, talking a little bit fast, but uh, yeah, I think lots of exciting stuff happening uh, in the box office world, and you know, we'll just have to keep watch on when things are going to come out. 
Uh, in any case, that is a wrap for this episode. If you have any feedback or suggestions, you shoot me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at zemo.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Uh, find us on Spotify, Titans, Google, uh, iTunes, and Google Play. Uh, if you leave a review on there or pod, our podcast service of choice or on Podchaser, that would be super helpful. I'll include those links in the show notes. Uh, numbers used in this episode when I have them come from thenumbers.com or intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod and you can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media until next time this has been the Box Office Watch Podcast remember my watch goes on (laughs) 